senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And this is uh, episode 18 being recorded later than usual on a Sunday night because my parents, last week was the problem with, with your mom yes. and having to move shit. This is not problems with my parents, but they were in town from the southern community from whence they have retired. Is yes. that the right way to put it? To whence? The place they done gone retired to. Yes, because it's the South. That's how exactly you say it. Yeah, only slower. <laughs> With, but I think there's a y'all that should be in there somewhere. It's possible, but uh, we've retired y'all. Yeah, it's it, it's Florida. Believe me, most of the people in their town are from here. This is true. And it's not y'all. It's Kvetch. <laughs> but oh boy. But yeah, they were they were up for the weekend to to meet the. Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast mascot, mascot, Parker the Kitten. Or as your father now refers to him, our protege. Our protege, yes. Because he will go forth and continue our work with <laughs> murder. My mother my mother refers to Parker as her grandkit, thus revealing the level of desperation for a grandchild yeah, that it, she which won't ain't quite happen. articulate. But your dad <laughs> clearly was trying to find a word and, and, and yeah, came up with protege. I find that interesting. <laughs> Our, our ward, our, our young ward. ward. <laughs> but they were up because, uh, yeah, my my birthday's coming up, and my dad's birthday was this weekend. So, yes. and it's just horrible what getting old does to you. Because <laughs> we didn't do much today. They got here at noon. We went to downtown Boston, mm-hmm. so my dad could go to Union Oyster House and not eat fucking oysters for some reason see he was very clear he had two omelets for breakfast for whatever reason well it's his birthday it's his cholesterol <laughs> i think once you get to a certain point it's screw it <laughs> he ain't killed me yet yeah pop the lipitor and just take the ride <laughs> but, but yeah i mean it was two hours in boston and then back and cake and ice cream and the sugar crash and exposure to the sun i was unconscious for two hours yes i'm a delicate flower i should not be allowed outside yeah and there was no there was no booze i know it was just sugar i'm too old to eat (laughs) sugar that can't be right i don't know what to tell you i Um, mean (laughs) it's one of those horrible realizations like am i really too old to have cake are they about to take my foot (laughs) Is this a problem? Yeah, if cake and ice cream are the worst of your problems. Well, that's true. There will be whiskey later, but but the sad thing is the whiskey will wake me right up. It's the yeah. cake that puts me into a coma in front of Mythbusters all fucking afternoon. You, you slept adorably on the couch, if that helps. Oh, yes, for our fan base of three. <laughs> you didn't drool on yourself or nothing. Oh, that's not true. We both know it. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's get strangers on the internet. Uh, I wonder what he looks like sleeping. Where in Boston are they located? <laughs> That's an excellent idea. So it's, uh, it's just horrible getting older and realizing simple sucrose is your fucking kryptonite. It was it was homemade cake. Oh, it was excellent cake. <laughs> I think you loaded it with quaaludes or something. Maybe. <laughs> what does a roofie taste like? <laughs> oh wait, you don't. <laughs> uh, I think I probably know now. So yeah, getting older just blows. I hate it. No, I want to spend my birthday asleep. Give me cake in the morning, <laughs> and then we'll pretend it doesn't happen. Well, there's enough there for breakfast for pretty much every other day this week. So they you... will take my foot. What the fuck is the matter with you? <laughs> I'll have another piece of cake, and then it's going in the trash. <laughs> we could freeze it. That for when? I don't know. For the zombie apocalypse. Yes, exactly for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, because nothing says run like have a big piece of cake and fall asleep and get your brain eaten. Well, that way you can go in your sleep. Dude, I'm going to go shit-faced <laughs> and screaming in the street. <laughs> you know it. We've established I'm in no position to deal with the zombie apocalypse. There will be booze and then surrender. We won't have to deal with the zombie apocalypse. That's why we have a protege. 
<laughs> Put the cat on it. <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah, it's it it's in short, it sucks getting old. Yes. But sadly, that equals a a decent enough segue into <laughs> the the big thing that had. We here at the home office are all about the Segway. Yeah. <laughs> Segways are for kids, silly rabbit. But, yeah, I mean, the the big thing that had a lot of genre up in arms, not necessarily comics, but by nature, if you're a comic book reader, I think you at least at half associate yourself with, with young adult reading. To a certain degree. Because you sort of have to admit, if, if you're reading comic books, that even if you hate twilight and everything it stands for i'd say particularly if you are reading comic books of the capes and cowls variety yeah <clears throat> they're certainly more adult-ish comics but uh, most people are reading comics as at least a soupçon of yeah superheroes in there but yeah there was a uh, an article on slate that uh was entitled against ya read whatever you want but you should feel embarrassed when you're reading, uh, when what, what you're was, reading was what written for children, was written for children uh, by Ruth Graham, who is some writer from New Hampshire. Who uh, I looked at her website, and she's roughly our age, it seems like. Yes. Um, and a, it, it, yeah, it's basically a, adults shouldn't read young adult, or at least should feel bad about it. And uh, one of the quotes that I hit me in the fucking balls was. Uh, quote, adults should feel embarrassed about reading literature written for children. Let's set aside the transparently trashy stuff like Divergent and Twilight, which no one defends as serious literature. Um, so let's start with this. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to stipulate that most of her articles, she's, she's talking about what she calls realistic young adult fiction, like, uh, what the hell is that fucking movie that opened this week? The Fault in Our Stars. Okay. Um, and is, she's, you know, I'm dying of cancer, please bone me, basically. Yes, and she's not talking about genre stuff in general, and The Fault in Our Stars is not a thing that I'm going to see because I'm not the target demographic. You know, I, nor, nor did we see Divergent, although I did read the, the books. Yeah, and we didn't. I saw uh, The Hunger Games uh, on an airplane coming back from sdcc a couple of years ago um but in general yeah that's not stuff i read because you know, i'm i'm a 42 year old guy and i'm particularly not going to see the fault in our stars although you'd think it would be in my wheelhouse because it's about teenagers fucking dying <laughs> it's i don't want to see with the popcorn munching it down yeah get off my lawn yeah. <laughs> but it, that's the thing i don't want to see them die that way <laughs> they were dying under a bus as the suspension slowly failed. I'd be the first in line. Or you could then walk over that to them and poke them with a stick afterwards just exactly. to make sure they're done. Okay. Yeah. yeah, with a big shit-eating grin. <laughs> yeah, but the other part of it is most of these young adult stories have at their base, you know, a big, you know, oh, love story. It's a teenage love for the ages. And I'm, I'm about to be 43 years old, and I remember all my teenage infatuations and... I know at the time it felt like, oh, this is the most important thing ever, and I'm old enough now to realize the only way my dick could have think, been thinking more than me is if I'd sent it to take the SATs for me. And it probably would have gotten into a better fucking school. It was doing that much thinking for me, so. Could your dick have taken my SATs? Because my SATs kind of sucked. Well, I'm yeah, sure my credit score is better than my SATs it, right now. You still got into a better school than me, so. <laughs> my, my dick could only have helped you. <laughs> It's not necessarily helping you now. But it could, though. It's Mike's still young. <laughs> All right, and thank you. This has been the crisis. <laughs> thank you. Good night. But uh, what what really? So even though she's talking about these realistic uh, young adult, what got me is just the utter contemptuous dismissal yeah. of genre fiction as trash and, and genre books that that's books that's text books that's stuff that isn't 90 percent fucking fantasy art well i just i don't know i i was an english major <laughs> and and i like me a fluffy book regardless of whether or not it falls in the young adult category 
or the adult category as much as I might also occasionally like to stretch myself with Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man, which I swear to God I'll finish someday. Don't bother. (laughs) I don't know. Does he die at the end? (laughs) I fucking hope so. (laughs) That was inflicted on me, I think, sophomore year in high school. It was just a terrible thing. But I just, I fail to see the point in castigating someone for reading, for reading, period. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, so it's not something you would read. Okay. You know what? I might go out to dinner and I might eat something with liver in it. You won't. Don't yuck my yum. (laughs) Oh, again with yuck my yum? God damn it. Taking it back. (laughs) Nobody wanted it. But I don't, you know, she's make she's going off on people who are yeah, reading yeah, The Fault in Our Stars or, you know, she dismissed Twilight. But we know that there was a, a sizable soccer mommy presence at uh, Comic-Con for, you know, Twilight. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly an adult fandom for Twilight. Yeah, I'm I'm not it. But again, the, the same reasons. You're, you're not going to hook me in with believing teenagers have any kind of eternal love. Yeah, but you know, she's you know, perks of being a wallflower. She goes off on it's, um, it's kind of a funny story. Um, if I stay, which are all movies that will be coming out. Um, well, actually, perks of being a wallflower. That was last year. Out, I think. But some of these other ones are, are coming to movies as as properties. Um, so maybe people want to read the book before they go see the movie because some people like to you know compare things like that. Why well, would you come down on them? <laughs> it, it, it's a possibility. It, it seems like her argument is uh, no. You, you should not only not read it, you should not go see the movie, and you should feel bad about yourself. Or what, I shouldn't read a book potentially that my daughter or son may read so that I can have an intelligent conversation with them over dinner later? Uh, which is she, She's completely dismissing why some people may be reading these beyond pure escapism. Well, and that's true, and my parents certainly read. They let me read pretty much whatever the hell I wanted as a kid, and some of it they also read to make sure I wasn't going down any weird rabbit holes, which could have, you know, should... A lot of her argument is, you know, oh, this percentage of people and this many numbers, and which doesn't take into any account people who might be reading it just to make sure, you know, their son or daughter isn't getting whack material or something. Although, yeah. even then, probably better to get it from a book than... Although, to be fair, when I was 12, I read The Shining, and there was some stuff in there a 12-year-old probably shouldn't have been exposed to. <laughs> oh, I jacked off repeatedly to The Shining, and I might do it later tonight, <laughs> but... It's the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm busy. I got shit to do. But I just, I don't see the point in trying to make people feel badly about what they choose to do in their own spare time, especially if furries aren't involved. (laughs) Well, yes. (laughs) Please don't involve. (laughs) You'll never see a furry book at the top of. I mean, she, she may as well just be saying, like, if you're not reading Shakespeare or Faulkner, Fuck you, dumbass. Uh, well, uh, yeah, and it's... Because also, you know, may I remind the listening audience, all three of you, <laughs> come for Bigfoot. Don't oh, jeez. Like, you're going you're gonna to say, you know what, you know, don't, don't read Twilight, but here, this adult book about screwing Bigfoot, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you've got a which, point. Which she doesn't. Yeah. But <laughs> but we are. It's, we're putting the big stamp of approval on come for Bigfoot. Also found is moan for Bigfoot, depending on what port, part of the country you're in. Yeah. No, don't moan for Bigfoot. <laughs> we keep coming back to that book. And now I'm going to have to read it at some point. And the moan for Bigfoot people are going to be like, don't yuck my yum. Oh, God. <laughs> stop it. But I suppose she potentially... Look, somebody could make the argument, you know, oh, better they're reading anything at all than watching television. Well, at the same time, television's in a renaissance. And, you know, what is better for your brain? The Fault in Our Stars or Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones, which you'd probably crap on because that's... It's fantasy. Well, I mean... It's a a genre thing. That's not serious. Well, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I'm not entirely sure here she's crapping entirely on genre but even then it very possibly uh, there's a certain amount of escapism there and you know, jesus if she's gonna if, if she's gonna just completely dismiss divergent she probably wouldn't read a comic book if 
She wouldn't even look at a comic book unless she was on a desert island and there were a crate of them and she was out of toilet paper and it turns out it was <laughs> Diarrhea Island. But uh, her One of her beefs with young adult fiction is that um, teenagers are written about in an uncritical way. And I, I'm not entirely sure that's accurate. I, I think to a teenager reading it, they may not see the teenagers portrayed in a critical way because again i just finished that divergent series but i certainly read them going oh god the protagonist i just want to beat about the head and shoulders get over yourself (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and again the the reason i probably won't read most of these things because yeah i remember being a teenager and i can see it with the weight of years and realize i was full of shit it took me until my late 20s to really be able to look back and go oh jesus i didn't know fuck all did i right it took me until my late 30s to look at my late 20s and say the same fucking thing so yeah i'm pretty sure i'll say the same about myself you know 10 years from now (laughs) but it's i don't get that feeling reading comic books i don't sit there uh, granted most of the characters in comic books aren't teenagers but even the you know you look back at the old you know, Stan Lee and uh, you know, Jerry Conroy, Spider-Man stuff from the 70s. I, I certainly don't think Peter Parker was looked at uncritically. His life was a shithole. Yeah. Uh, she also says, young adult endings are uniformly satisfying. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. I read Bridge to Terabithia uh, when I was pretty young, I don't know, eight or ten years old, uh, and one of, the, one of the characters died. I cried. That wasn't satisfying. <laughs> Nobody went off with their friend at the end and like went on to have a good life. It, they died. That was not satisfying. That's right. They died, and the the kid turned to Quaaludes, didn't he? That was the sequel. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I haven't read that since I, I remember. That was Living Under the Bridge in Terabithia. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> nothing of that book. I know I read it, but... Uh, you know, Divergent. Spoiler. At the end of the third book, the protagonist dies. That's not satisfying. She martyrs herself and dies. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I suppose you could make the argument, oh, it's selfless and absolutely makes him or her. I haven't read the books. So I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. but They're fluffy. No, it, yeah, makes as much the... as anything about like youth, eugenics can be fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one. I'm just not going to do it. But, so, I mean, for me, this more hit based on comic books because, yeah, if she's crapping on even genre stuff meant for a young adult audience, you know, what would she possibly think about comic books? But you know, then the other question is, are comic books even meant for a young adult audience anymore? I mean, the median age of comic book readers at least feels like it's us. Yeah, well, the, the, the median age of comic book readers, I think, is us. Um, I don't have a, a source off the top of my head to cite for that. But at the same time, they clearly grade, at least from the big two, <laughs> The book so that, you know, if you if you pick up a DC book, it'll tell you if it's intended for a teen audience. It'll tell you if it's intended for a mature audience. It'll tell you if it's intended for a general audience. Well, yeah, but that's that's not meant on quality of writing or... No, but one would imagine editorial has a list of themes that would be considered appropriate. True, but see, I, I don't want to get into the rating side of it because that is really skewed oh absolutely you know you could have the most you know childish generic uh, todd mcfarlane written (laughs) you know with just everybody naked and smacking each other with swords and that would get rated as adult because it's naked people it doesn't mean it's really meant for an adult it means don't show this that one or draw that one i think he drew that one it's it's possible it seems (laughs) like his wheelhouse (laughs) but uh, so yeah the ratings doesn't mean anything and yet the most literary i mean watchmen probably would be you know rated for teens and i certainly read it as a as a teenager yeah. but so, so i don't think that really tells you anything um so so yeah i mean i'm i'm not even sure comic books even fall into the conversation but beyond you know they they are rightfully or not associated with a, a thing that kids might read yeah and historically i mean that's how you get the bang zip comics aren't for kids anymore article yeah it feels like somewhere in america it's in every sunday yeah sunday newspaper 
if he can even find a Sunday newspaper anymore. But one of the things that caught me in reading her article, and granted part of it was I was in a rage and I was looking for ways to, you know, you dick, you don't know what you're talking about, you're a hypocrite, because, you know, people get defensive now into somebody who thinks an awful lot about what is traditionally thought of as adolescent power fantasies. Yeah, I was pissed reading this. Yeah, she goes, her her major issue is, um, you know, Yes, it's better that they're reading something like, uh, she says, Eleanor in Park, whatever that is, instead of watching Nashville um, or reading detective novels. But again, I would say, you know, if you're reading Batman Year One, you're reading some pretty complex literature. Well, (laughs) yeah, anybody who, you know, craps on detective novels, you know, Raymond Chandler is some real classic shit, as is Dashiell Hammett, uh, as is... Elmore Leonard. uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know... Is it high art? But then again, you know, Shakespeare was populist fucking trash. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm firmly convinced that the only reason that Titus Andronicus was written was whoever was doing props for the Globe Theater came in one day and said, hey, Will, check this out. And, and was able to create like a severed arm that like spurted blood or something. <laughs> and and Will said, I'll be right back. And then several flagons of wine later came in with these hastily scribbled pages where a, a girl gets her tongue r- ripped out and she's raped and then these kids are baked into pies. It- <laughs> Clearly I was assigned the wrong Shakespeare <laughs> place in school. I didn't know any of this. I read that one in college. <laughs> I, I read the cliff notes to Hamlet and said, oh, shit, this is terrible. It's, But, I mean, yeah, it's nothing but, you know, people getting smacked and sure it's, you know, flowery language and but i maintain the soliloquy is the thought bubble of shakespearean theater it's nothing but a comic book with you know flowery language in it but yeah Uh, so you know she's you know concerned well if they're reading this then they're they're denying themselves the complexity of great adult literature and they're missing something well Either they will come to it on their own after they work their way through these other books because they want to push themselves or stretch themselves for some reason, or they won't. The world will continue to spin. Why do you need to shit on people? (laughs) Well, I mean, the other thing that I thought of, we talked a a little about this before the show, is is it really the genre or the execution? Because one of the books she she name-checks in here is something called Submergence, which is not a book I've read. It's by someone, J.M. Ledgard. Uh, and, but I, I looked it up on Amazon, and it's a story about a British spy and a deep-sea explorer in some kind of uh, adventure where the Taliban is involved. And realistically, just based on that description, not having read it, that's a cosmic ray away from being a Jim Steranko <laughs> shield story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like James Bond, for Christ's sake. So, I mean, it, that just sounds genre on its face. So is the problem, is her issue execution? Because, you know, like Watchmen was in Time's top however many hundred novels of the 20th century. Yeah. But take a step back from Watchmen. It's nothing but old Charlton children, superhero, you know, superheroes in... Reimagined. Yeah, in... Barely reimagined yeah. uh, in an episode of Outer Limits. Yep. But is it just, you know, the, the synchronicities and the language and how panels move from a statement into a visual to the next? Is it just that it was executed well, even though it has all the trappings of genre? Well, this this reminds me of, of the flap that happened back when Neil Gaiman got a Hugo for Sandman. It's like, how dare they give a... a literary award to a man who's writing for a comic book even though it's arguably one of the greatest comic books ever published yeah you know groundbreaking in its storytelling well i mean yeah and that was just a flat-out smack against comic books because as i recall they changed the rules immediately to make sure no comic book could ever win again right but that's my point like to to assume that something genre can't be great literature and that those people who are our consumers of that media should be made to feel bad for their choices is wrong. Period. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because it, everything is some genre at its guts. I mean, I, not to blow my own horn, yes, most of what I read has pictures in it and people kicking <laughs> each other in the taint, but I've read Infinite Jest. I read it 
twice. That's right. That is a fucking genre story with time looping and virtual reality in it. It's got a lot of other stuff going on, but it's a near-future dystopian tale. And she makes a big issue in this article about, oh, dystopian is young adult. And believe me, Hal Incondenza, the only way that could be a better superhero name is if his first name started with an I. Yeah, although the the, the best protagonist name ever is hero protagonist, period. Well, uh, it, <laughs> it is, and there's a decent chance she'd say, oh, no, sci- science fiction, that's for young adults, that's crap. Anybody who thinks Snow Crash is crap should be. Well, but then again, you know, I, I think I think she's, you know, purposefully omitting things that are great genre literature that may not have been thought to be genre literature at the time that they were published. Brave New World comes to mind. Um, you know, that's if if any is th- anything is dystopian. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, in a similar vein, 1984. Um, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell, try to explain to me how how we should discount Orwell because it's it's genre. <laughs> well, yeah. And 1984 has a, a, a beautiful doomed love story at yep. the beginning. No, you could argue that it becomes adult because Winston betrays her in Room 101, <laughs> as opposed to No, I will never betray. Is there, maybe that's the only difference between 1984 and Divergent. He doesn't die with rats gnawing his eyes out, declaring his everlasting love. Yeah, and there's there's a similarly frustrated love story in uh, Brave New World. You know, men pining after women they can't have. Um, you know, nobody living up to anybody's expectation. The hero dying at the end. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, boy meets girl, boy loses girl is about nine tenths of every story ever written ever. So so to say that something is is not serious because it is genre is an injustice that is entirely dismissive um to some books that are great works of literature. Yeah. That being said, Divergent is not a great work of literature. Um well, <laughs> And I don't think even uh she in this article was saying you should never read anything at all for for pleasure it just felt it was just it her her idea of what one should get pleasure from comes off as elitist whether she chooses to be that or not but yes you are denying yourself the complexity of great adult literature i'm sorry <laughs> yes, i'll be madam. over here with the plebes and my cheetos reading i i don't know what i'll be reading but it won't be that <laughs> yes madam and you are denying yourself the pleasure of a monkey with a machine gun kicking a nazi in the taint in full color in a massive page splash anybody who doesn't see the joy in that <laughs> i don't want to fucking talk to and your opinion matters very little to me i'll be over here with my cheetos and turning the pages of this dr mcninja omnibus with my orange stained paws <laughs> <laughs> Having a better time than you. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, that's a, I, I feel no shame whatsoever for having most of my reading be comic books. And that, that's a choice. I, I learned to read supposedly when I was two years old. I can read up to 1,200 words a minute. I really like to read. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, are comics escapist literature? Yeah, yeah, sure. But there are some great comic books there. And to dismiss comic books as just flat-out genre, well, shit, half of them are genre based on things that are classic. Frankenstein is a classic genre, and from there you get Swamp Thing, and Alan Moore's run on Swamp Thing is as interesting and literary as anything you'll find. You know, you can shit on Twilight all day long, and half the time I might agree with you when I have to stumble over the lines at Hall H, even though those things are, those movies are over, and that's not going to be an issue (laughs) for right now, but... You know, at, at the same time, Dracula is a genre work of classic fiction. Yeah, I mean, somebody in the uh, comment thread made a point of, you know, if, if you're dismissing young adult literature, then you are dismissing a variety of books that are considered great novels, and they list, like, To Kill a Mockingbird and Catcher in the Rye and um, Call of the Wild. Now, granted, 
these books weren't necessarily published when such a thing as a young adult imprint existed as a thing in the world and were added to various curriculums after the fact. Sure. But, you know, they also go on to list some of the more um, modern ones, and they include at the top of that list Speak, um, which is by Laurie House Anderson, who, and it's, it, again, to go back to the point that the author makes, which is that these books uh, don't look at teenagers in a critical way and don't ask them to think about themselves critically, that they're ultimately supposed to be pleasurable. Speak is about a date rape. And the girl spends the entire book coming to terms with the fact that she got raped at a party because she got drunk and made a poor choice. And yeah, she, you know, she cuts on herself in the book. She loses all of her friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds like a an awesome beach read. <laughs> well, just like, like, like how, how is this? <laughs> it, yeah, the end does fit her criteria of being ultimately satisfying because the girl comes to terms with it and is able to move on with her life and has some friends. But I'm sorry, she spends the whole book getting shit on. <laughs> and that is <laughs> that is not protecting teenagers from looking at themselves critically. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I see on there, Chocolate War by Robert Cormier. Fuck oh. that. Fade by Robert Cormier. <laughs> where the kid can turn invisible and learns very quickly. There's shit I probably shouldn't know, even though now I can know everything. That's not genre. That's superhero shit, and I will defend that to the death. Yeah, I mean, and also the chocolate war in and of itself is kid gets bullied for standing up and trying to do what he thinks is right. And I'm sorry, that's not painting teenagers in an uncritical light. You've got people acting like jackasses. <laughs> well, yeah, and when it comes to superhero stuff, you know, I'm old enough. I did take shit for reading it in high school. And the defense that I always came back with is, you know, yes, this is an adolescent power fantasy, but if you want to figure out a good way to aspire to live your life, you could certainly do worse than superhero comics. Right. And yeah, nobody's going to train themselves to physical perfection and go out and you know, stomp on criminals every night. But as an example of trying to learn some self-discipline and live in a particular way, you could do worse than reading Batman comic books. Yeah. Clearly the lesson didn't take. I drink a 12-pack of beer a night and want to watch teenagers crushed under a bus. But, you know, that's, that's far more eloquent than I, what I would have tagged that with, which is, you know, P.S. Balls, Sweet Valley High. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Write that down. That's the front runner for the title of this episode. <laughs> I thought I had something with Diarrhea Island earlier, but P.S. Ball, Sweet Valley High. <laughs> Look for us under iTunes. Yeah, so. P.S. Ball, Sweet Valley High. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully this will be the episode. But... Or the one they say, ah, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. We're not letting you in. Yeah. But I tell you, it's uh, yeah, just the, the blanket rejection of, and, and let's face it, I haven't read Divergent, and I certainly haven't read Twilight. Based on your reading speed, um, I read it on my my Nook app on my phone, and the whole trilogy came in at 999 ebook pages on my phone. You could probably get that done in about two hours. <laughs> I could, but again, I'm not the target audience. No. You know, not, and I will go in the opposite direction here. Not everything that is genre is worthy of vigorous defense. True. This yeah. is true. Yes. Twilight has vampires and werewolves and they sparkle but from uh, i'm not interested as a grown man in reading about you know teenage love that goes across you know eons and the ages and is potentially doomed from the human world right. i also thought romeo and juliet was overblown you know whack material for people who weren't allowed to just go out and talk <laughs> in the victorian ages it doesn't do anything well, for i'm me. firmly convinced that that hamlet could have been the, the tragedies could have been completely avoided if they would have just let him go back to school he asks at the beginning of the wedding scene mom not dad can i go back to school now that we're done with with you getting married off to my uncle no son we need you to stay here because we want to keep you close because you're the heir to the throne okay i'm going <laughs> to sulk <laughs> yeah <clears throat> mom can i go back to where there are keg parties and <laughs> Just free pussy being slung around. Is that? I'd like to get my mind off my my dad's death and the fact that you've married my uncle. <laughs> yeah. So. No. Okay. I'll just be over here slowly going insane over the course of the play. 
<laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, back to my point, just because it's genre, in fact, doesn't make it you know, worthy of of defense. So, yeah, I don't particularly want to read Twilight either. Uh, Divergent doesn't necessarily sound like anything that would be interesting to me any more than The Fault in Our Stars does. Right. But if it, it doesn't necessarily make it worthy of contempt either. No. Yeah, yeah, I I think I think it's it's important to remember that not everybody needs their reading to be a chess match. You know, I thought that Pride and Prejudice was greatly improved by the addition of zombies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Almost everything is. Sense and Sensibility was helped vastly by the addition of sea monsters. Yeah, so, but... (laughs) And also, again, you can still... The the benefits of literature also have to include the way that it can stretch your imagination. So to tell someone that because it's genre, it should be set aside immediately and not part of a conversation of any literature, be it young adult or otherwise, is a disservice to any conversation about literature. I mean, H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the way that those stories were put together and, and created subtle building layers of horror. <laughs> <laughs> that stretches your mind somewhat to read those. <laughs> yeah, even though there's almost no dialogue in it and sometimes it's painful <laughs> to read the almost, it's constantly... When it's a, a letter form of about two thirds of what he writes is piss on what <laughs> gun what yeah so it's yeah it, it stretches genre it can be difficult to read may not stretch of, your vocabulary may not stick to brain <laughs> yeah but it's it's the same thing you know not everything needs to be defended I've seen six million hipsters walking around Cambridge with their giant. Very specifically, their print versions of Infinite Jest. You know, oh, it's, yes. a, it's like, dude, get the fuck over yourself. It's it's got a time loop in it, and it's about virtual reality. It's kind of fun. It's got a lot of shit going on <laughs> for a story about virtual reality, but that's what it is. Yeah. You now with some near future dystopian, you know, with the the year of the Glad Bag. That's kind of interesting. That years now have corporate sponsorship. It's, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's the stand with tennis. You know. <laughs> stand with tennis (laughs) so so yeah we're not going to resolve anything here no we're not it's it it was you know 37 minutes in and it comes down to you know god damn it how dare you shit on adolescent power fantasies yeah and and hold what you feel to be great literature above others without taking into consideration that the book that you listed could also be a fantastic foreplot (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, Stan and Jack had your shit together in 1963. Your story could be told in four colors just like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> your story could be told in four colors. Write that one down, too. That's uh, <laughs> Although I'm not sure it's as good as Sweet Valley High. but P.S. Balls, Sweet Valley High. <laughs> yeah, balls, yeah, all right. Well, that's still a front runner. But... So, yeah, not everything is, is necessarily worthy of defense even though it's genre it sort of brings us to the the next topic and it's just because san diego comic-con is coming up quick is uh it was just announced it, I, i'd been hearing for a while on one of our local rock stations you know they were saying oh you, you can win a chance to go see lincoln park at san diego comic-con i've been hearing it for like two or three weeks i'm like what the fuck is lincoln park doing at san diego <laughs> comic-con it was bad enough wasn't metallica there last year for for yes, no reason for at no all. For no reason. Well, they had some sort of documentary or something coming out. Well, it, it, it turned out they had yeah some weird again young adult dystopian movie coming <laughs> out that was scored or something by Metallica. So, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Metallica. I'm a Skinner fan. <laughs> so yeah, what the hell is Lincoln Park doing at San Diego? And it yeah it turns out uh, they MTV just announced they're doing the MTVU Fan Awards. Which is going to be what on Thursday at Comic Con uh, at Petco Stadium. So it's not part of SDCC proper, but it's it's going to be a big event there, and Lincoln Park will be performing. And uh, one of the quotes from the 
from their announcement is in addition to handing out trophies, we will recognize the achievements of fans and their favorite obsessions with special surprises and experiences. It's the perfect event to reward the fans at Comic-Con, the epicenter of all fandoms. Now, the first thing that got me about this was, you know, the biggest prize you can give a fan who's in San Diego during San Diego Comic-Con? Tickets to fucking San Diego <laughs> Comic-Con. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think my reaction to finding out that this is a thing that was happening and B the answer to the statement, Lincoln park will be at comic-con. I, I feel like Lincoln park will be at comic-con doing, and then there's a blank and this is a cards against humanity card. <laughs> and then you're, then you bigger, blacker dicks. <laughs> exactly. Although I think I would have put down, you know, groveling for nickels, like <laughs> testicular torsion. <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> You know what? I would get in line for Petco to see that. Now opening for Lincoln Park. <laughs> Testicular torsion. Oh, no. That's closing for Lincoln Park. But, yeah, I am not aware of any particular genre connection of Lincoln Supposedly Park. Supposedly they, they are anime fans, I guess, if you bother to peruse their videos, which I have not. You know why? MTV doesn't really play MTV videos anymore. Show videos, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the last great bitch of the middle age these days. But uh, apparently there there are some, some anime fandom references in those video uh, manga or possibly manga. I don't I don't know who or what they follow, just that some people are like, oh yeah, they're fans. Like, okay, that's nice. Well, and uh, yeah, the only connection in air quotes that I'm aware of is Chester Bennington, one of their lead singers, when he did a solo album back in like 2004, had a song called The Walking Dead. And when I worked in radio, I had to play it. And I looked at the lyrics and it is uh, it is not about zombies based on a bunch of things about doomed love and digging a grave. It might be about necrophilia, which is a genre, but the sequel to Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, other than. I, I can't understand why you bring Linkin Park, who might have one or two references to to Japanese comics. Like, how do you not get, like, Jonathan Colton? Or... Well, that seems like a gimme, but he's already known by... See, MTV is clearly trying to latch on to the geek dollar and to get some kind of crossover. They're doing some kind of big band, which I guess makes sense. But you're bringing in Linkin Park when you've got... Anthrax, who did songs about Judge Dredd, yeah. and Coheed and Cambria, who have done comic books about their albums, somewhere out there ready to suck dick for a Wednesday pass <laughs> for preview night. Well, I mean, the guy from, from Anthrax has also written comic books. What did, get, uh, Gerard Way. Yeah. What's he, with a chemical romance? Is My that chemical romance. My chemical romance. I mean, he wrote... Yeah, if you're going to get some quasi-emo band... Yeah, he, he wrote the Umbrella Academy. He is directly He's fucking connected to comic books. Doing one of the Spider Verse books, apparently. Yeah, but no, we're, we're getting the guys who wrote Numb. <laughs> Give me, it doesn't make any sense. And, uh, <laughs> and look, I I get that as Comic Con has become bigger, as you know, there's a superhero movie every X number of weeks. It feels like, particularly in the early summer, everybody wants to latch onto our dollars. Yep, but. Back in the 80s when MTV came out, they were the closest they came to being remotely about genre was Thriller had a werewolf in it. (sighs) And they played the Ghostbusters video every hour for about a month in 1984. They sure did. The the biggest award an MTV fan could have given a geek back then was avoiding an atomic wedgie. (laughs) It's... I mean... MTV has done so. Yeah, MTV Geek was not a bad site to, for picking up some stuff. It was never my first place to look for any geek news. But right. Well, did they have? Was that them? I thought CNN was Geek, and they've just got their own thing now. I thought MTV had an MTV Geek and a Valerie uh, Diorzio, and I'm sure I mangled that name. She was a uh, editor in chief of uh, a particular MTV site. Uh, that was uh. devoted to geek, but she left recently, so I'm not even sure at this point. Like I said, it's not my first place to look for for geek news. So I'm not even sure if it's still an operating concern. I, I I don't know. But you know they've they've tried to do some stuff. Yeah, I mean, 
gee, I'm not paying attention to other news outlets that have to do with, with my genre. Well, I'm shocked. Uh, you know, <laughs> and when you click the wrong thing on an MTV site and you come across a Justin Bieber video. It, yeah, yeah. It, it puts you off. It's like, you cut the green wire. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's not. I'm Danny Glover sitting on a toilet saying how I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Almost exactly. <laughs> but it, see, on one hand, it feels very cynical. You know, oh, we're going to chase this demographic and give trophies to fans. For fucking what? I have no idea. I would like a trophy because I am awesome. Where's my trophy? I'll get you a trophy. I mean. <laughs> MTV, if you're listening, trophy me. <laughs> trophy me, bitch. <laughs> Channel a little Aaron Paul, but. So it it feels cynical. Uh, it feels like just an excuse. Eh, Comic Con's big, so we need to be in it. Yeah. But MTV has. We've been around long enough. They've always followed trends. Yeah. I mean, MTV. Their original mandate was to be a an urban, not even a, a rock and roll station. Yeah, a video version of a rock and roll station. They yeah. cultivated their VJs to be their on-air personalities in much the same way that radio DJs were cultivated to be personalities back when people took radio seriously. Yeah, and it was structured like a radio show. You know, again, I've, I've worked in radio, so yeah, it was, uh, they do, uh, and usually a, a cold open into videos right out of commercial, two or three songs, yep. a quick break, another couple of videos, a back announce longer break with some news into more spots. Yeah. It was very much a rock station. And if they had not modified and gone to picking up Michael Jackson and some other stuff, they would right now be the same place that New York's K-Rock and Boston's <laughs> WBCN is. They'd have been gone if they hadn't mutated. Bought out by Viacom and turned into corporate mush. <laughs> now, that said, it's been great for MTV. For the rest of us, if they had gone the way of the dodo, the way those rock stations did, the only place I could see pathetic pregnant teenagers would be in movies where they're crushed under a bus with a bad suspension. <laughs> Does that make America better or worse? I don't know. But, but apparently I won't be thinking about them critically. Yeah. I think that's the important thing. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's a, On one hand... Well, I mean, a, they've, it, they have tried to do some stuff with genre. I think they, they air uh, the television series version of Teen Wolf, for what it's worth. Th that's true. <laughs> yeah. But there's what, no mention of, of that as being any kind of tie-in. <laughs> Either, you, like, they, they make no mention in that article of of any kind of, like, cred that they have brought to the geek world that would qualify them to be involved on that level. Well, it, it's because they don't fucking have any beyond right. Teen Wolf. It's, uh, yeah, they're they're chasing after our dollar because we're you know, a growing demographic. And on one hand, it feels very cynical, but at the same time, I'm kind of okay with it because I've been waiting a long fucking time for... Yeah, I mean, it's not like they, they haven't been involved in at the very least, animation. I mean, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Um, the Max. They had the Max. That is true. And, uh, yeah, they had uh, the Spider-Man that uh, Bendis yep. executive produced. Uh, so they, they had a, a couple of volumes of, of um, some animated anthologies under the Liquid Television heading. Um, Eon Flux was also. That is true. And I, I suppose I have not given them enough credit for that. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to do now yep. when it feels like, 16 and pregnant and teen mom is... But those things, you know, broke there, and now you can find similar... Now that you, There is a whole cartoon network. They even call it the Cartoon Network. <laughs> That's true. So I guess I'll give them that much yeah. credit. They certainly have done a certain amount. Yeah, I remember in the early, mid-90s being psyched that the Max, which was a basically unknown comic outside of right. real comic geekdom, was getting... Yeah, a national audience. So I watched right. the hell out of that. So I, I guess I'm not giving MTV enough credit because it feels like for every one of those, it's you know, spring break. Look at my. Well, that's just it though. This, I mean, again, there's nothing in this this article on MTV.com that speaks to their geek cred, and their geek cred is a bit long in the tooth. <laughs> uh, yeah. When they had any at all. We'll, we'll see if they're serious <laughs> if they send Cisco to fucking <laughs> MC this thing. <laughs> Which I almost want now. 
It's Cisco at like 42. <laughs> Let me see the thong. Oh, Christ. Somebody get the man his check. Just, just go over there. Take your oxygen. Don't get excited. <laughs> so, so the, they do have a certain amount of geek cred. They're certainly not calling it with... Uh, this does feel like a very cynical, uh, oh, it doesn't matter what we've done before, you know, because MTV turns over their audience every four or five years. They probably turn over their internal staff every four or five years. Whoever thought of this may not know what the max is. <laughs> but even then... I'm sure they probably don't, because they spend more time in this in this statement you know, using it to be a, a PR release for uh, the fact that the... Lincoln Park is releasing its next studio album, The Hunting Party, at the same time as that fans can enter this this contest to get VIP access to these awards. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of cross-branding synergy that really gets you a gig at MTV these days. <laughs> it just makes it even feel more cynical. But you I'm promote a... that synergy. Exactly. <laughs> like a boss. <laughs> hey, look, uh, all I know is... It, if MTV is finally chasing after my dollar and trying to latch on to my, you know, our comic fandom's cool cred for whatever it is, it puts me in a position where I can catch a suck job from Scotty and for my fucking Sunday pass when I'm done. There's a visual. <laughs> yeah, it's... I, I do not believe we will be attending the MTVU Fan Awards. No. Probably not. But, so, all right. All right, is it too much to hope then that since this is happening at Petco Park, that somehow it's happening at the same time as the zombie walk and that the zombies eat all of the fans that show up? I just want to see zombies eat Cisco. (laughs) (laughs) Just tear the thong right off his body. Thong, 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 nom, nom, nom. Jesus. (laughs) All right, you want to talk about some comic books? Let's talk about some comic books. After we've spent nearly an hour ranting about, uh, how dare you disrespect <laughs> comics and genre. So, <laughs> which one do you want to talk about first? Oh, let's talk about Original Sin. All right, so. Original Sin is up to the issue three now. Issue three, uh, written by Jason Aaron, Mike Diodato Art. Yep, and in this, uh, potentially the... The villain is revealed, potentially. Possibly. Um, uh, I got issues with, with that, potentially. But uh, go ahead. Um, it would seem that uh, after having various groups of, of heroes sent around to investigate uh, the the murder of what appears to be not just the Watcher, but various other big-time supernatural entities. Like, there's a, a planet gets shot. A, a sentient planet was shot yeah, and it, killed. Either Ego the Living Planet or uh, his Some brother sl- Id. Yeah. I don't know. But. <laughs> um, it would seem that Bucky the Winter Soldier may be the big bad. Or at least that that would seem to be the case when, spoilers, he is revealed holding the still-dripping head of Nick Fury. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that was a good visual at the very <laughs> least. Uh, I'm, God, I hope that was an LMD. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it does seem like a little early. Well, yeah, yeah all right. We're just going to spoil the hell out of this. We'll spoil the hell out of the next comics we do. If you've listened to any more than one of these, we just spoil everything. Yep. Um, I'm not sure that Bucky was the bad guy. I had a. I had a, a couple of storytelling issues with uh, visual storytelling issues with this. I, I love Mike Deodato's art yeah. for the you know realistic you know, detail line artist. You know, it's not necessarily my favorite style, but I, I I like how he does it. Everything feels like it's three dimensional and has some weight. But yeah, how the fuck Bucky got back to Earth from was not clear to me. Yeah. For the first two or three readings, and I, I I get the mechanics of it, that there was some kind of portal that brought him back, even though the spaceship that he went out with, with Moon Knight um, and Gamera, uh, and Gamera uh, was exploded. Some kind of portal brought him back, but I'm not sure where that came from. Nope. And, and also, it's an interestingly cobbled together story, but I'm sorry, if 
you're including Gamera in this out of freaking nowhere. It has to be because it's a tie-in because there's a movie coming out she's in. It, well, I <laughs> it mean, just feels glaring. Yeah, well, look, we talked about cross-platform synergy. We're going to see Guardians of the Galaxy and, and everything for the next six months. And, and also the thing that makes me cynical is, okay, Winter Soldier, where Bucky is still bad and trying to figure shit out for himself. Now you have an excuse where seemingly out of nowhere Bucky is going rogue again. Yeah, well, that's that's another reason I, I'm not convinced it's really Bucky anymore. That I'm not really convinced that was Nick Fury the the storytelling thing, and this was from Jason Aaron's side that tips off to me that that can't be Nick Fury. Is you know, he was looking into the eye after all the revelations? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. went to everybody and he said, uh, "Why didn't why weren't any secrets of mine revealed to me?" That, that so, points to LMD. Potentially. Uh, yeah, well, it, it points to Nick Fury's story isn't done. So if he was killed in this, uh, it'll be you know his son, who conveniently looks like Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> uh, to follow that. But, you know, and I've certainly heard rumors that this will be the big, you know, shuffle off the old school Nick Fury yeah. into the night somehow so we can focus on the ones that, you know, the, the new dude who looks more like the movie. Fine, whatever. House cleaning. But it's it's sort of a tip off. His story isn't done. And it seems like a hell of a way to just sort of end it. So yeah. I'm not entirely sure that's Bucky. I'm not entirely sure that's Nick Fury. And I want to know what beef Hulk has with Iron Man. So I'm looking forward to that issue. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, with the revelations, the one that I that really piqued my interest was Spider-Man saying, did anybody see Oh No? And I'm wondering if that isn't. Oh shit! I made a deal with the devil to make the life where I'm married go away. I want to see what that's about. Yeah, yeah. There was that, and uh, Daredevil made some statement to the effect of, "I know who killed my mother." Yeah, which, frankly, I've been reading Daredevil for twenty five years. It never really occurred to me that was a big outstanding thing. So that well, we always know about his dad who was tragically killed. You don't really hear anything about his mom. <laughs> well, his his mom left her left dad and became a nun and at least as a born again was still yeah. around and as of uh it's been a while since i read uh kevin smith's and joe quesada's arc that sort of brought uh daredevil back from the brink of the uh, chichester's hideous and aborted <laughs> fucking run on it but uh she was in that i don't remember if she was killed in that cause I, haven't it, read like, it for I don't a while. i don't recall her dying in anything <laughs> yeah so that didn't it's like, okay fine that'll, that'll be a thing we'll read it and uh, i trust jason aaron enough there'll be something cool to it yeah but uh, i really want to see what spider-man's is about because it's like oh yeah show me show me some kind of aftermath to, the, yeah. <laughs> to one more day um even if it just sort of happens in this issue um or in this series and never becomes an issue with anything else but yeah, I I'm mean, also kind of enjoying the further adventures of Doctor Strange and the Punisher off on their weird buddy cop movie. <laughs> yeah, that's I never thought of it that way. That's a really good, yeah, the straight lace guy and the the cop on the edge. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And uh yeah, no, I'm I'm having fun with that and just the everything is fucking guns. Yeah. How did you kill the living planet? Somebody shot it. So it's just big all this cosmic stuff and it's like dude with a gun is doing it. Yep. That first couple pages with the orb, where he's like, I couldn't always talk. I used to just make squishing sounds. Yeah, I giggled and, at that. You know, sometimes I see things. Sometimes I roll around naked and eyeballs. But... <laughs> so it... Good job, Mr. Aaron. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there were some particularly visual storytelling problems with this. Yeah, anytime you put a bunch of characters in the same spacesuit with sort of shaded helmets. You can, it's easy to lose track of who's who and where they are. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I really, beyond there's a portal, I don't know how the hell Bucky got back from you know, the corpse of the living planet to at, at least apparently give Nick Fury the chop. But Yeah. I... But there's just, it, it's like taking a big idea comic and tying it straight into relatability with, yeah, somebody shot him. And that's always what happened. Yeah, it's just like Law and Order Super Victims Unit. Yeah, <laughs> with with just enough humor in it to keep things going. I'm having a really good time with it. Yeah. So that and uh, we also read uh, Big Trouble in Little China, yeah. 
the further adventures again yes of well, uh jack burton yeah which <laughs> we kind of had to we're both big fans of the original john carpenter movie i yes. saw the original john carpenter movie in the theater i'm the only one i think who did that yeah no we uh my dad rented it on a whim at and we we watched it on our front loading our vcr was so like old and crap that the remote was actually tethered to the vcr oh yeah mine too <laughs> i had a top load two head fisher that in 1983 me and my brother who at the time were 12 and <laughs> 10 respectively donated 150 dollars to the cause 150 1983 dollars oh. to buy this 500 dollar two-head vcr that you had to manually tune every channel oh, yeah. with a little dial yep uh, to get it to come in, and yeah, it had a remote on a fucking string, <laughs> uh, on a cord. Yep. So, and the good thing was you could record on one channel because you could manually tune a different channel than you were watching. So yeah, if I wanted to record like Star Trek Two when it was on, I could edit the commercials <laughs> because I could watch it on a little black and white TV and pause the commercials out as it was going. That said, the thing That's didn't more last. effort than I ever went. The to. thing didn't last three years, <laughs> and we've gone off on a big tangent of eh, early adopters and well, shit where technology. Where I was going with that was, uh, we rented it and we enjoyed it so much, or at least my dad enjoyed that I enjoyed it so much that I watched that thing four times in a row. Watched it, rewound it, put it back in. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. I've owned it on VHS and DVD and Blu-ray. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and particularly since uh, this is written, uh, apparently John Carpenter at least has something to do with the plot. Yeah. Uh, but the main scripting is Eric Powell, yes. uh, who draws and writes The Goon, which is one of my favorite comics. Yep. Uh, we kind of had to pick this up and check it out. And it starts literally seconds after the movie ends. Yes. With Jack <laughs> in his truck yammering into into his CB radio to anybody who'll listen with a demon on the back of the truck. And yeah, that ape demon that had uh, run off with Gracie Law earlier in the movie. Yep, and which it turns out with Lopan's death is now bonded, linked, bonded <laughs> to Jack like a like a Wookie. Yeah, <laughs> like a like a big Wookie or a big stupid dog, and so yeah, Jack immediately has to turn around and and go back and to to the crew at at Wang's wedding and figure out. What to do with this? And yeah, how how do I uncouple? <laughs> yeah, and another big bad comes, and it's immediately going to be another you know, move into the darkness where Jack doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. But by God, he's up for the challenge anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I I thought this was really well done comic. I uh, do too. Yeah. Number one, the art, which is by Brian Chirilla, was really kind of cartoony. Um, but this Big Trouble in Little China is, is, a, is very cartoony. Is a big fucking cartoon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I flash immediately to uh, the dude who looks like uh, Raiden. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just exploding and blowing up and becoming fatter. And yeah. Fatter. <laughs> so it is a big cartoon. So it really worked. Um, right at the beginning, having captions that mirror exactly what Jack said, sort of put jack into that position of uh, he's just sort of a step behind so it was a neat little storytelling trick yeah um to show jack's character that he's just half a step behind what's really going on no matter what he says well, and, just, and then the humor in the panels you know, when he gets back to um the town san francisco i'm guessing yeah. um and and he's got the the ape demon, and he's outfitted him in the, in the finest stuff that he could find from a truck stop. So he, things wearing like a t shirt that says "Buy me a drink, and I'll tell you I'm 18." Yeah, it's <laughs> a baseball cap, and and Jack's like, "Come on, act like you've been somewhere before," because <laughs> he's outfitted this stupid shit. And uh, I mean, that was the other thing. There was, uh, if you're a fan of the goon and Eric Powell, a, a lot of the jokes. <laughs> We're very much from his sensibility. There's yes. a whole middle sequence of Jack talking about this quickie <laughs> marriage to this horrible <laughs> woman. And he 
gets invited. It turns out her dad was some Satanist cult, or maybe he was going to open a fish taco truck. He forgets the details. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It turns out it's hard to get a, a quickie divorce in Maryland. <laughs> in Nebraska. And Nebraska. then and then he says um, something to the effect of, um, sorry about the fire. <laughs> yeah. So, but there's a dinosaur. <laughs> I want to know that story. What happened with the dinosaur? Yeah. But, but it's very much an Eric Powell, almost Frankie story of these outlandish details that yes. he then just glosses over <laughs> and you know, just some some great one-liners I, I wrote one of them down or at least pair you, you, know, you think big hairy and drooling intimidates me i've hauled trucks through i've hauled pigs through kentucky it's, <laughs> kentucky yeah. so, and and true to form jack does nothing he tries to kick Pete the demon and misses. I love and, that he's named the demon Pete. By the yeah, way. <laughs> so I want to call you Pete. And, and yeah, yeah, he's just he's a big mouth, and the biggest thing he does is say, "Pete, attack that guy." <laughs> <laughs> so it's it, it, it's if you're a fan of both the movie and Eric Powell, it's a perfect mix of Powell's sense of humor with he's clearly got a good handle on the Jack Burton character. Oh yeah. And uh, this one's really a blast. You should definitely check it out. I concur. So with that. Or uh, you will go to the, the the secret hell of the awful wangdoodle demon in the warm crevices or something. Seriously. <laughs> they. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It's. Yeah. This was this was a fun comic. This one is, is definitely on the pull list. Increasingly more ridiculous Chinese hells. <laughs> yes. The, the hell of diarrhea island yeah something like that jeez oh, all right so we're over an hour here yeah i think we should wrap it up i think we should wrap it up all right so thank you nice people uh yes indeed as we meandered and rambled and tried to defend genre without destroying it and eh. it's just one of those weeks where people either wanted to kick genre fans in the nuts or, or horn up. in on it yeah or horn in on it so it's Hopefully next week we'll have nicer topics where we don't have to wish people to die. <laughs> so, yes, thank you for listening. This has been the Crisis on Infinite Mid Live Show, Episode 18. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And uh, thanks for listening. And-